Welcome to a brand new episode. Mike Driscoll, The Python Show. Hello and welcome to The Python Show with your host, Mike Driscoll. That's me. Today we have a great guest, my friend Marlene. She's a Hi. Python programmer from Africa and she's very active in the Python community and putting out great content on Twitter and other social media. Welcome to the show, Marlene. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. It's great to have you. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe about your journey into programming in general? Hi. <laughs> yes, like Mike said, I am Marlene, and I currently work as a Python developer advocate at Voltron Data. And I have been in the Python community for quite a while before this current role uh, of me mm -hmm. being a developer advocate. I used to work at NVIDIA on a Python GPU data frame library called QDF. And was mainly, you know, working with Python code, which was really fun, and was there doing a bit of Cython as well. So I'm very interested in Python in general, speeding up Python, making it more efficient, and also Python in the context of machine learning and AI. Just in general, with my journey, I was not, I did not study initially, I didn't study computer science. I was actually on hmm. the track to being a doctor. I wanted to, I thought I wanted to be a doctor and I studied mm -hmm. molecular biology in, in the US. <clears throat> and then when I was in school, that was just not working out for me. And I didn't think it was the right thing for me at the time. So I ended up switching and you know, just changing <laughs> my general career yeah. course. And I came back to Zimbabwe for a bit and I started sort of a nonprofit that the goal of the nonprofit was to teach girls how to code in Python. And as I was mm. doing that, awesome. I also was growing my own Python skills here locally in Zimbabwe, ended up going back to school with the University mm. of London and then getting a computer science degree and just focusing on really growing my own Python skills. So it's been a very long journey and through it, I've mm -hmm. really enjoyed meeting with people from the Python community. I was on the board of directors for the PSF for a couple of years, for five years. And okay. yeah, I love speaking at conferences and met Mike actually very recently at PyCon US. <laughs> so the community, the Python community is a really central part, I would say, of my, of my journey. That's awesome. I'm a little bit curious how you went from medical kind of career to programming. Did you like do a little bit of both at first in your schooling or did you just like, well, that's not working out. I'm just going to switch completely. I think for me, I, when I was doing that transition, so I didn't actually know about well, I didn't really think or internalize the concept of programming or com of coding until I had, when I was in college, I had a roommate and she was initially a, she was initially a math major. And then she changed and became a, a computer science major because she created like this game where she would 
measure how cold certain parts of the campus were. And like she created a program that would actually calculate which is the warmest route to walk <laughs> around campus. And I thought that was super cool. And it was kind of through that that I learned about coding initially. But even then, I didn't really do anything with it. But when I came back, my goal initially was to, I did find out about, generally was reading about the, mm -hmm. the world of technology. And I thought that was really moving forward well. And so I thought to myself that I wanted to sort of use that to help people in my local community. And I think during that process mm -hmm. was when I met people who were already coding in Python and they kind of introduced me to the language. I attended like a Python, a, a PyCon, the first PyCon Zimbabwe actually at the time. Mm -hmm. And my first, right, like piece of my first code that I wrote was in Python specifically was in a Django girls workshop. So that was also nice. a really big part of, of getting started. Yeah. That's really cool. That's awesome. Thanks. Thanks for explaining that. I was like, that's quite the, mm -hmm. quite the leap to go from, from something like that. I, I've met other people who have left from like, I want to say economics into Python as well. So it's, it's just fun to hear about yeah. people's journeys. Definitely. So, <laughs> I think you've already touched on why you like Python so much because it's like all community. The, the community is so amazing. Was it like your first programming language, though, or did you get to do some others before you switched to Python? Python was definitely my first programming language and <clears throat> still remains my favorite, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I during, <laughs> during the process, though, yeah, I did use other programming language. So I, when I went back for computer science, in mm -hmm. school, I did some JavaScript. Actually, that was the main language I would say they were focusing on JavaScript primarily. But the initial okay. language they got us started with was C++. So we did a lot of C++. Mm -hmm. And initially, when I started my computer science degree, I wanted to be, I thought I wanted to be a game developer. So I actually mm -hmm. did quite a lot of C Sharp <laughs> because... You know, I also was very interested in sort of 3D virtual reality games as well. And mm -hmm. currently, most of those games are built with C Sharp. You know, in, if you're trying to program stuff in Unity or something like that, you're going to have to know some okay. C Sharp. So I did quite a lot hmm. of that and, and C++ as well. But then I switched to machine learning and AI when I discovered as well that it was primarily Python and I prefer Python. Mm -hmm. So that was a big part of that as well. So I'm curious just because from my own, you know, I took computer science and then I did management information systems for my bachelor's. And I'm curious, are they teaching newer, younger students like good, good stuff to like, you know, test driven development or anything about source control or anything like that in school nowadays? I didn't quite get the question. Sorry. It's breaking That's up okay. a little bit. For so I was just wondering, since you, you were in school much more recently than I, I was, are, are you seeing at school, do they teach you normal programming basics like test-driven development or 
source control or anything like that? Or is it just all theory still? Oh, I do feel like the program that I did was very a good balance of theory and practical development skills. So I would say the first half was like primarily theory. So we did a lot of like maths. Um, we did a lot of, you know, just theoretical classes about how algorithms work and the different types of algorithms that are available and things like that. So there was a good amount of, I think, foundational sort of theoretical knowledge there. But at the same time as well, I would say the last half of my program was very practical. So it was very project-based. They okay. wanted you to be able to sort of go through the go through the stages of, of trying to build a project, especially using modern tools. I feel like they mm -hmm. did try to make it as modern as possible and also tried to, I would say, simulate a team environment, but mm -hmm. I think with, with other students. So I would like sort of collaborate with other students as well to try and like work on a project together but that was i think a bit more challenging yeah. to do but yeah but generally i think it was a good mix of of both well good i'm glad to hear that i don't want them to you know get regress and get worse i want them to be better <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so i know you've been really really active in zimbabwe with uh, Python. Could you tell us a little bit about how you've started those like ZimboPy projects and other other projects there? How did they come into come into existence? Yeah. So, like I mentioned, I when I came back to Zimbabwe after having been in the US, I really wanted to start something that I felt would benefit my community that would kind of give the skills that I learned or this, like not necessarily the skills that I had learned because I didn't learn coding in that space but I had seen I think a different sort of way of approaching things when in my college years and I saw that you know technology is being used in most things actually in the U.S. and a lot of the times it's really being integrated and people at the time as well, boot camps were really popular. So I remember seeing several stories as well of people who would, you know, come from no background at all in technology, not have a uh, college degree, not, you know, just be really starting from scratch. And those people would, would go into a boot camp and they would be hired by a great company and then that would completely change their lives. And now they're working in the tech industry. <clears throat> and so those stories, I think, really also stood out to me. And I did feel like I wanted to do something similar in my local community. And that was something that I, I really particularly wanted to address issues that I saw in young women in Zimbabwe because there are some issues I would say even within the culture where like you can find young girls that you know can be married off at a very young age and or you can find people who are really struggling with poverty or things like that and so I wanted to provide something that was like a practical skill for those people to try and give them a pathway 
to yeah. get from maybe having no skills, you know, it, it, most people can speak English, you know, so at least they have that okay. skill. And so yep. taking them from that point to the point where they can maybe create a website or have some basic Python knowledge, hopefully enough for them to get employed and, and have a job. Um, mm -hmm. And that was, that was like very challenging, actually. <laughs> it ended up actually being quite challenging to do, to try and yeah. set up that sort of pipeline just because it's never just one issue. It's never just about maybe getting laptops for people to learn how to code or getting internet for them. It's, you know, I then discovered that it's usually, it's, it's usually a, a, a group of different issues that can make it difficult for someone to get out of a specific situation and successfully make land a job in a company. And so that's probably been, that's, that was quite challenging, but the, my heart, my, my reason for doing it was, yeah, was to do that. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I can, I congratulate you. That sounds like a great project. Thank um, you. <laughs> is that, is there like a big tech like culture there in Zimbabwe? Is there like lots of jobs for technical people? I would say there's like a good industry. Like I wouldn't say it's huge, the industry. I think that if you go, you know, there's a good education system where you can go. And if you go to like and do a computer science degree or an IT degree or something like that, you will find companies that are willing to hire, you know, developers locally in Zimbabwe. But I will say that the companies don't really pay their developers as well as I think they should. And I also think that a lot of the companies locally are not really forward looking. So they're not really pushing the boundaries of what you can do with code or what is, you know, the most modern technologies. And the ones that even are doing that, I find it's quite difficult to find a good sort of product market fit locally in Zimbabwe. I would say that's for several reasons. So I would say one, Zimbabwe's population is quite small on its own. I feel like it's, I think it's like 11 million or something like that. And then out of the population of 11 million people, you have like maybe 60% of that population is living in the rural areas. So those are people that are really not going to interact much with technology and so you have like 40% of the population that might interact with technology. So I feel like that presents some challenges in terms of also adoption of new technologies, companies being willing to launch. And I also feel like there's like very large, large existing sort of tech companies that kind of have a bit of a monopoly. But I will say that I do feel like there is a new generation of people who are interested in technology and who are testing the boundaries of stuff and launching new products. Yeah. And I do think there's like a significant group, I would say, of, of younger people that are, are really trying to create an industry or trying to do new things. And I guess we will just see how that goes, yeah. but I have met <laughs> some amazing people. Yeah. Yeah, I was just curious, you know, if all these people that you've you've been teaching about Python through your through your programs, do they get their do they apply those that that knowledge locally or do they work remote? 
for the company? Do they do they leave Zimbabwe and go work, you know, in London or one of these other locations you mentioned? That that's kind of what I was getting at. I was just kind of curious about that. Yeah, I mean, I I will say so. I took a break for Zimbo Pie because I found it was too, it was way too difficult for me to run on my own, and I'm trying to approach it from a different perspective with different partners to try and you know, create a better pipeline for people. But I will say in terms of even when we were doing internship opportunities for some of the girls that, for example, went through my like Python program that I created, those girls were working from Zimbabwe, but they were working with, you know, partners that were in South Africa or outside of the country somewhere in the U.S., And I just find that was the case because if you're working locally or I was struggling to find people who were willing to take on interns that maybe didn't have that college degree background, I found it quite difficult to find people who were willing to do that and pay some sort of a stipend to the girls that were in the program. And generally Mm -hmm. speaking, I would say that most develop or like there was when I first started getting into Python and getting into programming quite seriously, there was just a mm-hmm. community of people around me, some people who also got into programming around the same time and that we had a small community there. But I will say almost every single one of those people is outside of the country now, <laughs> is living okay. somewhere in Germany or Canada or something and are working for a company there. So I do feel like most of the time, if talent is is there, they usually will will move, honestly. Yeah. Okay. So you've touched a little bit about on this already, but what are what are some of like the big things that you see that's different about programming for people in Africa versus other places you, you visited? Um the biggest differences, I will say, like maybe one of the things I would say can be a limiting factor. For example, I think one of the biggest drivers of you know innovation is is open source, and I think outside of the continent of Africa, outside of even Zimbabwe, I'll, I'll speak about the local context here, people just tend to have more time, more resources to be able to do things like contributing to open source. Whereas locally, whenever in the past I have, you know, maybe tried to suggest people contribute to open source, it's it's a bit harder to get people to congregate around just contributing yeah. for free because I feel like they don't have the same resources all the time. So that's not everybody. There's like some groups of people that are willing to do that, but I would mm-hmm. say the majority of people don't necessarily have the same resources to be able to like, I don't know, take some time to code during the week, you know, an open source project because that requires like the internet. And internet is super expensive in Zimbabwe. I think they just mm. raised the price the internet to like $130 or something like that a month, which is so ridiculous. And it's like US dollars. So the cost yeah. of internet is super high and it's 
it's it's super high, it's super expensive to get the data, first of all. It's really difficult to also then get maybe if someone's in a family, someone to take care of your kids or things like that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there are some barriers that people maybe face to doing things like contributing to a project, to an open source project. And I feel like that's kind of pushed back some of our progress and even just knowledge mm-hmm. about open source in general is something yeah. that I would say we're a bit behind on. Okay. So, since I, I, I have very limited knowledge of how Valsal works in Africa. Is Zimbabwe like one of the tech centers or are there other countries in Africa that are also very tech oriented? Yeah, Zimbabwe is definitely not <laughs> one of the tech okay. centers. Um, <laughs> There are some countries that are doing amazingly well, and I will say Nigeria is probably top on that list. Okay. Um, and Nigeria has, I think, the majority of the unicorns that have come out of the tech industry in Africa. So there's like, huh. I don't know how many, like four or five unicorns that have come out of Nigeria. And I think mainly it's in fintech yeah, in, in Nigeria. And I also, hmm. they've had Andela recently that does talent outsourcing actually Mm -hmm. um, from the continent to foreign companies that are looking for talent and so there is a a really big industry in Nigeria the dev community is really strong as well and there's some amazing people that are working out there out from there Microsoft has a headquarters there so does Google I think okay and then also go to South Africa, that's probably another center of technology on the continent. And they're doing well because they're also quite a strong tech community. They have a bunch of headquarters there. Amazon is really big in South Africa. They have like a huge office <laughs> in, nice. in Cape Town from what I know. And so they're doing significantly well on the continent and so is Kenya I would say is also another Kenya and Ghana would probably be the other four so they actually called the kings it's it's the acronym is king so Kenya oh I don't know if it's I don't think the I is in there but Kenya Nigeria Ghana and South Africa yeah nice (laughs) what it's called that's cool. Yeah, I've heard. You know, I have a lot of followers on Twitter that that say they they're from Nigeria, and so I was kind of curious. You know, are they are they legit programmers? Are they are they just telling me that they'd like to learn, or you know, those kind of things? So oh yeah, it's good to hear. <laughs> good to hear. <laughs> yeah, there's so many. I have been there's a PyCon. I went to PyCon Nigeria twice, and there's an amazing community there. And yeah, super, they are moving forward at a really fast pace, which is very cool to see. (laughs) Nice. Do you think Africa could be like a new outsourcing location like like India is right now at some point? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think that that would be, that is something that I think we've seen with, I mentioned there's a startup called Andela that just you know became a unicorn i think some some months ago some weeks ago and okay. they 
entire business model is is taking talent from from the continent of Africa and connecting that talent, outsourcing that talent, of course, to European or US country companies, maybe okay. Canadian as well, I'm not sure. But huge market there and definitely a huge opportunity for companies as well. Uh, I would mm -hmm. love to see it spreading outside of, you know, the, the king's areas, I guess. And also, yeah. you know, hopefully in places like Zimbabwe as well. But it is absolutely something that I could see happening because it is a lot of talent and people. Okay, so we've made it almost to the end of our of our talk, and I have one more question for you. Um, I noticed that you post a lot about machine learning and Python on your Twitter account. Uh, what do you find that excites you about machine machine learning right now? Oh wow, that's a great question. <laughs> I yeah, I love machine learning. I think it's it. It's a little scary right now as well because there's so many conversations mm -hmm. going on around it, and I saw Geoff, um, you know, lots of prominent people in the in the AI community, you know, raising some alarms that we're not sure where things are going. But I will yeah. say, in terms of what excites me, <laughs> other than you know, hopefully things being okay, um, I think <laughs> I really like the the idea of creativity and being able to create from just a thought. Like for me, I feel like that mm -hmm. just allows humans, like it gives us the capacity just to be so much more creative because, you know, whenever I post about machine learning, I usually kind of gravitate towards media type of things. So I'll maybe post like mm -hmm. a video uh, or like some, you know, some sort of generative AI that kind of mixes an image that I have in my mind and actually makes it real. So I feel like generative AI is something that I'm very excited about. I did see mm -hmm. Runway, um, which isn't, Runway unfortunately isn't open source, <laughs> but yeah. it's a company that works a lot with, they they kind of worked on the first version or the second version or something like that of Stable Diffusion. And mm. um, they have a new model out gen, gen 2 that can allow you to like take an, an image and turn that into a video and i've seen some really really beautiful videos from that really beautiful cinema it looks like and i can just imagine this idea of being able one day to think i i want to create a small movie or something like that and mm -hmm. actually be able to do that and i think we're really close to that right now so I think generative AI is the main thing that that excites me at the moment. That's really cool. Yeah, I saw that announced yesterday, I think. And I was like, that, that looks really neat. Yes. So I definitely <laughs> have to try that out. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, um, I just wanted to thank you so much for, for being on my show and answering all my all my questions about machine learning and Python and everything else. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation, Mike. Yeah, it was really great to have you. And hopefully we won't have any you know, f future uh, technical difficulties if I end up having you on again. Yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much. And everyone who's uh, listening to this, uh, please check out Marlene's uh, social media accounts. They are amazing. <laughs> Thank you. All right. See you later. Bye. Subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Mike Driscoll, The Python Show.